Hello and welcome to the Scottish Garden Podcast. It's episode 10 and we're chatting with Simon Milne, the Regis Keeper of the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh. We'll be discussing the garden's 350th anniversary celebrations, its big plans for restoration and renovation, and how it reaches out into nearby communities and across the world through education, research and the arts. Welcome to the Scottish Garden Podcast. Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh is just one mile from the city centre and a haven from the hustle and bustle of everything outside it. There are more than 70 acres to explore, featuring plants from across the globe, a living collection which is almost 350 years old. The 10 glass houses on site feature around 3,000 exotic plants. It really is a plant lover's paradise. Unfortunately, at the time of recording this, you can't visit. It's currently May 2020 and we're in the period of lockdown due to the coronavirus pandemic. So along with most other visitor attractions, gardens and nurseries around the country, RBGE is closed and most of its 350th anniversary celebrations seem to be on hold. However, you can still visit its website and enjoy a virtual tour of the garden and its partner gardens of Benmore, Logan and Doick. At the moment, it's the best and the only way to enjoy their spring highlights. But it's also a good way to get a closer look at some of the places which you might not have visited yet. And you can plan a trip for a time in the future when we're back to some kind of normal. In the meantime, you can also listen to this conversation with Simon Milne, which was recorded a short time before lockdown restrictions. And I hope you find it a good introduction and an insight into the work of the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh. First of all, I will ask, what is a Regis Keeper? Because until I um, was came to find somebody to speak to at uh, RBGE, I didn't um, know what a Regis Keeper was. I didn't even I hadn't heard of one before. It's 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 a good question. There's, <laughs> there's not very many of us around. In fact, I don't think there's any of us around uh, other than me. Um, I, I mean, in day to day currency, it's the chief executive of the organisation, uh, but it's the the monarchs keeper of the Royal Botanic Garden, that essentially means. So uh, I am appointed by the Queen on the recommendation of uh, the First Minister of Scotland. So that's what it is. Fine, good. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to forget that it does have the word royal in the title and, and therefore it is uh, part of that whole, that whole thing as well. Okay, so um, first of all, I suppose I want to ask as well, what what is the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh today? What What is it, uh, in your view? It's a lot of things to a lot of people in a lot of places, from Edinburgh to, to Kathmandu. What are we? We are essentially uh, an amazing collection of plants, of preserved plants, of books. That is the, the collection, and that's the bedrock for what we do. And our work is essentially, uh, in terms of what we're achieving, relates to uh, scientific research, it relates to conservation, it relates to education, so not just producing uh, the next world leaders in in conservation, horticulture and uh, and botany, uh, but also inspiring nursery children coming in, inspiring about plants, the natural world, uh, engaging with people. Um, So education, engagement, research fantastic horticulture, and having an impact around the world. I mean, there's one in five plant species is threatened with extinction 
yet all known life depends on plants. You wake up in the morning, just imagine what it is that you are using that is connected to plants, almost everything, plus, of course, drugs, clothing, shelter, food. So we rely heavily uh, on plants, even the oxygen we breathe, and yet we have this massive challenge of extinction of the very plants that sustain us. And that's, for me, the driving force of running an effective botanic garden. It's to address that, the biodiversity loss, and climate change as well, because climate change and biodiversity loss are very, that uh, they are interrelated. And you can't address one without addressing the other. So botanic gardens have evolved over the years when we were established 350 years ago in the grounds of Hollywood Palace. Uh, it was a, a physic garden, and that was for societal good as well, to meet society's needs. In those days it was for medicine, and that hasn't really changed over the centuries. The challenges have changed, but I think the underlying principle of learning, understanding, uh, and researching plants for us, for the human beings, and the rest of the organism on the earth has endured. Mm. I suppose um, to, the, to the person passing by on the street, it might just seem like you know, a nice garden and a place with glass houses and, you know, a lovely place to go and take a stroll, but there's so much more going on behind the scenes and there's so much more um, in the history of it. Yeah, um, I mean, that's exactly right. We've got, there's four gardens make up Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh, uh, Benmore, uh, over in Argyll and Butte, Logan down uh, near Stranraer, Doik near Peebles, and of course the mothership here, um, in, here in Belief in Edinburgh. I think to a lot of people it is uh, a place that they come and relax, health and well-being, appreciate the plants, it's, it's a great day out. And I think uh, not enough people understand what else we do. And in fact, the majority of my staff are not engaged directly in horticulture, they're uh, engaged in education and research. I say not enough people, that is my challenge to address, and we're very much addressing that, and to demonstrate what we're doing in terms of you know, translocating species um, that are disappearing in Scotland back into the Cairngorms, um, addressing issues in Southeast Asia, in Nepal. Global reach, you know, working in, in 34 countries, our online programmes, education programmes, now reach over 50 countries around the world. So um, we're doing an awful lot out there in an awful lot of places, and we are busy increasing the profile of that to our visitors and online and through podcasts such as this. And will the 350th anniversary celebrations be a part of that then? That's, I suppose, a natural point to showcase just exactly what you're doing, what you have done over the years, and, and I suppose just tell people a bit more about what you do and the, this whole place? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of those amazing people in the past who put their hearts and souls in, into making this one of the greatest botanic gardens in the world. Um, it's also about celebrating the team today. Uh, my job is reasonably easy because I've got such a, a passionate, committed team. But it's also looking to the future. It's looking at launching projects, we're about to embark on the biggest renovation project uh, ever in the garden's history. 
and that's Edinburgh Biomes, so that's restoring all our mm. listed glasshouses. Mm-hmm. It's building a fabulous new glasshouse, which will give a much better visitor experience, a better community engagement, a better education facility, a new education building going in. It's about becoming greener with uh, greener uh, energy to power our you know, heat our glasshouses. It's about a, a new new plant health facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, plant disease is one of the major threats to agriculture, to horticulture, and of course to the natural environment. And that's an area that we're increasing our uh, mm-hmm. our input into. The biomes project is one I was particularly interested in. That's obviously. And, and I believe the glass houses as they exist today are sort of under threat because they, they are old and, and in need of restoration. So if you could speak a bit about more a bit more about that and just t- tell me what the kind of development will be over the years for that project. Yeah, Edinburgh Biomes is, is a great and very, very exciting project. It's the biggest in the garden's history to date. Uh, it covers a wide range of, of areas of the garden. Uh, the first is to restore our listed glasshouses and that's our magnificent Victorian glasshouses and the 1960s glasshouses which are also listed. It's to replace our research glasshouses so what a lot of the public don't see is behind the public houses we've got an extensive area of glass which is packed full of botanical treasures used for research, used for conservation. They're in danger of falling down. Um, they're well past their shelf life and we're investing a lot of money just to keep them going but actually that's like putting a sticking plaster on a broken leg you know we'd, we really need to replace those so that's all the glass it's about building a magnificent new glass house and um, we had a competition with architects to do that and that will enhance the visitor experience the engagement and give it a yeah much better um, experience for visitors coming to Edinburgh, but it's much more than that actually. It's providing education facilities which meet the expectations of this century's students. Our facilities, whilst the teaching is outstanding and uh, as it would be, um, the facilities are not outstanding. Um, it's about making sure that we can increase our online learning with the appropriate equipment and spaces for that. And then away on the nursery, which is another site across the road from the main part of the garden, we'll be building a, a new sustainable energy centre. Mm-hmm. Um, that's greening the garden in a different way to plants. Mm-hmm. A lot of energy goes into heating glass houses, as you can imagine. And we be looking at reducing our carbon footprint by about 33% with this project, using as much green energy as we can, uh, but also using better glass in the glass houses and um, just modernising it. And then there's the plant health mm. research facilities. Plant health is, or plant disease, is one of the biggest threats to plants around the world, including agriculture. You can see it with the, the ash dieback. We've already seen it with the, with the elms. Um, other species under threat of trees in the United Kingdom mm. is oaks. That's the larch, Scots pine. Junipers are already dying on our hills. So there's a lot of research required in there and also looking at biosecurity measures. So you put all that together, you've got a very big project, a project that will ensure that we retain, will stay at the top of our game as a botanic garden, but more importantly, have even more impact in, in the future. So mm. it's a daunting project. Mm. It's £70 million over six years, and we'll be 
um, doing an extensive fundraising campaign for that in due course. It's got planning permission, so we're just developing the project a bit further. We're waiting for the government to commit to that their part of the project, and uh, then we hope that the people from around, not just Edinburgh and Scotland, around the world will support this, because it is, after all, a global facility. That's it. I think whenever... I. Uh, I don't think my first impression was of the garden as a, a world, as having this impact across the globe, basically. Um, but it's fair to say, isn't it, that um, this place is a world leader in many ways? Yeah, it is. I mean, we're in the top four botanic gardens in the world, and that's based wow. on the the breadth and depth of, of what we do, as well as our collections. Mm. And uh, it's, you know, Scotland should be and should be, is really proud of this institute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's well world-leading in our field. Well. And quite apart from all the good we're doing in terms of health and well-being and conservation and, and research, um, it's actually giving Scotland a real place in the world. Mm-hmm. I was in, um, in China not that long ago, a couple of months ago, in Guangzhou, and Edinburgh is revered there uh, because the person that set up South China Botanic Garden, one of the bigger botanic gardens in the world, um, was trained here mm-hmm. 90 years ago, yeah. or a bit more than that, actually. So, yeah, I mean, our reputation is strong. Our brand is strong around the world, mm-hmm. and um, it's my job to make sure that underpinning that brand is, is really good work and really clear and high-impact mm-hmm. research in horticulture. I love that. I mean, obviously one of the points of this podcast is to, to sort of just talk about Scottish horticulture and that can be anything from a tiny little independent nursery to to this I suppose and, and mm-hmm. um, I uh, I hope that a lot of people are just amazed and as you say proud of just what an impact Scotland is having in this area and uh, right across the globe that's it's so it's so interesting to hear that. Um, I mean, Scotland, Scotland and the UK you know a nation of of gardeners of course yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I myself come from a long line of horticulturists botanists um, it's in my blood, and I'm um, very proud to be sort of carrying on that family tradition and you know, inspiring the next generation as well. Well, as you say, education is a big part of what you do here as well, and that's my experience of um, the Botanic Garden here because I'm a student on the Level 2, the RHS Level 2 course, but you obviously do have that big emphasis on education, you're an RHS provide, training provider and you've got your own set of qualifications and courses as well, right? So that's a real priority for the future. Yeah, I mean it's making investment in the future. Mm. Uh, again, right away around the world and whether that's uh, PhD students uh, from I think probably 15 countries at the moment. Uh, we do a master's course, that's in association with Edinburgh University. Uh, again, that's very international, and there's only well one of only two courses of that type in the United Kingdom. Uh, heavily subscribed, brilliant students, um, a melting pot of cultures, and it's not just about them learning uh, from the course as such; it's about learning from each other. And you know, when they're out in the in the depths of Colombia on their field course, you know, they are exchanging ideas and thoughts, and um, it's it's a wonderful course. Very always very well knit. It's a great community. Um, and then the HMD, the Higher National Diploma courses, we have a degree course that's uh, with Glasgow University. And then what else? I suppose there's things like the Botanical Illustration course, which mm. we're very well known for, and that can be done online. 
uh, botanical illustration is still very, very useful in terms of research because you can detail the plant mm -hmm. in all its shapes, forms and times of the year uh, on one piece of paper, uh, as well as being an art form. And our archives here are packed full of amazing botanical illustrations from hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. up to the present day. So, mm -hmm. Which sort of leads me into the arts, um, because we are very well connected with the arts here. We've got a magnificent gallery at Inverleith House and do various ex exhibitions. And that's very much about, those exhibitions are very much about amplifying what we do um, and putting over science and horticulture, the beauty of plants and conservation uh, through all the arts, performing arts, visual arts, mm -hmm. everything else. So um, that's another strong, strong mm -hmm. link we have and it's another way of, I suppose, of engaging mm -hmm. people it pulls in people with all interests, doesn't it? Like you say, science and um, just, you know, gardeners in general and, and artists and all sorts. Um, yeah, it's really it's good. It's obviously a hub a centre yeah, for... it is. And we want people to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, the students who are, some of them are engaged doing their dissertations and they, they may not feel they're having much <laughs> fun at the moment. But I think... If you ask them, most of them really enjoy the course because they are part of our community here. It's very much mm -hmm. community. And we want people to enjoy plants and, uh, mm. you know, not to come here and get gloom and doom about the world, but mm. to see that there's a lot of hope mm -hmm. for the future of the world um, if we look after our plants. Mm -hmm. And so it's giving people that sense of fun and pleasure and hope as well. I'm interested as well in um, this idea of exploration and, and discovery and um, my initial perception was that the plant hunters have been and they've you know discovered everything basically but actually there's still discoveries being made all the time, am I right in saying that? And yeah, you're, you're perhaps involved in this yourself? Yeah, that's, that's exactly so. We describe one new species, one species new to science on average every week. In fact, it's more than one at the moment. Wow. I think it was 62 mm. last year. And that's not just the little plants, that's including trees. So even in this day and age, we are finding new species of trees. Why is that important? Well, you can't start conserving areas. You can't start working out you know, protection regimes for let's say, part of New Caledonia or parts of the Congo, until you know what's there mm -hmm. and, and how, where it is and what it is. And so in that course of that, you are discovering new species. It's a bit like, I suppose, having a, a building full of children, you know, a school, where you don't know the age of the children, what they're called, um, and any special um, needs that they mm -hmm. might have. Mm -hmm. um, so... It's, it's, you could sort of use that principle for mm. It's fascinating, and I feel like we're only just like scratching the surface of, of what is going on here. Um, but I guess if people want to find out more, they can come to here. <laughs> they can come here and find out. They can look online, they can you know, find a course, or, or just come and have a wander through the garden and sort of see. Absolutely, go on our website, just type into the browser, you know, Edinburgh Botanics, mm. and it all comes up. Um, fantastic calendar of events uh, to inspire people with, with all sorts of events and exhibitions, the courses, as you say, and our four wonderful gardens. You know, four gardens with 13 and a half 
thousand species mm. from 137 countries around the world. So it's a voyage of discovery. Mm. And also connects a lot of communities with their home country. Um, so that might be tourists, or it may be, for example, um, we're a popular destination for the, the Bangladeshi women's group. And they can go into the glass houses and, and connect or reconnect with plants from their country of origin. Mm-hmm. That could be rice, it could be bananas, it could be rubber, it could be, it could be all mm-hmm. sorts of things, or just a, a flower that they remember growing in, in the hedgerows in, in some other wonderful part of the world. And that's special too, so it's all online and Four Gardens uh, are always welcoming visitors. We get over a million visits a year now Mm -hmm. and hopefully that's a a million visitors who leave inspired having seen the beauty of plants and we've talked here about the importance of conservation and research but we want people to leave here happy and seeing, you know, whether it's the the Mechanopsis flowering in the spring, or Adenis flowering in the spring, or um, some of the winter, you know, the, some of the Daphnes are out at the moment um, in their glorious scent, um, just to say, wow, isn't that wonderful? And for children to run across the grass, you know, mm-hmm. there's no keep off the grass signs here. We ought to put signs saying, please keep on the grass, because <laughs> we want people to just enjoy their experiences. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time and for giving us this sort of introduction into what the Botanic Garden does and, and all the amazing work that it does. It's been brilliant. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure being here and it's a pleasure talking about this amazing, amazing place. Thanks very much to Simon for taking the time to chat to me and for giving such an interesting insight into one of the world's top botanic gardens right here in Scotland. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to going back for a proper look when we're all able to get out and about again. As always, there are links in the show notes to the website of the garden and its virtual spring tours. And you can find the Scottish Garden podcast on Instagram and Twitter by following at Scott Garden Pod. Until next time, be happy and well in your garden. Goodbye.